We're about a kilometer and a half into Hornang at the moment, and the groups are already coming by. There are already splits in the peloton. It's in basically three big groups already. The TV has not started yet. So you won't see this, unfortunately, on television, but like I said, about a kilometer and a half into the very first sector, and we've already got splits all over the place. They're flying. I believe it was Lizzie Dining off the front, just by about 10 meters there. And then a pile of Trek riders, Mariana Voss, looked absolute stone-cold killer, I have to say. And we're off. We're going to go to Monzon Pavel next. All right, now about halfway through Monzon Pavel, one of three five-star sectors. This women's prairie, Roubaix. Light rain falling on our heads right now. And there's big puddles from the last couple days of rain. So Hornang was dry, pretty easy. This is definitely not, oh, I'm gonna get very muddy if I stay there. <laughs> this is definitely not dry. Uh, in fact, Ronan just got splashed by a car, which is, I think was pretty hilarious. We're apparently in a good spot because all of the moto photographers just stopped here. We can hear the helicopter. They are close. Oh, I see her. She's about to make one of the right-hand corners on like a short bit of pavement on Monzon Pavel and then she'll come toward us. Lizzie Dynan, of course. Last we heard, she had about just under two minutes gap ahead of a chasing peloton. There she goes. She is flying. <laughs> She's absolutely flying. And looked not the least bit concerned about the fact that she just came around this corner on wet, slippery cobblestones. Oh, Phil, our video guy Phil chose the wrong side. Oh, sh. Motorcycle crash just ahead of us. Whoa, it's, that's how slick it is right now. One of the photo motos just went down. 50 yards from us, 50 meters from us. I apologize, we are in France. Everybody appears to be okay. is increasing here. It is, I'd say there's still at least a two minute gap. Unsurprisingly, we've got SD Works on the front. That group is not more than 15, 16, 17. 
Whew. It is slippery. You can see their front tires moving around as they come around this corner. There's Alan Van Dyke. Alan had an issue earlier, is now in the third group. Lisa Balsamo, our new world champion, also in that group. Oh, crash. Crash, crash, crash. Balsamo down. Balsamo down, and now you see the chaos. The cars on the right-hand side of the road. The riders have nowhere to go. Oh, Jackson just went down. We've got Balsamo crashed, and then the cars all had to stop, and now the good line is gone. The riders have no choice but to sit on the left-hand side here. Here she comes. Final quarter. Busy dining on the black line. Le sourire, il restera un tour, un tour de piste à couvrir. Mesdames et messieurs, pour la Britannique, Lizzie Tegnan, le dernier tour, regardez-le sous le maître d'échapper un petit peu plus. The first ever winner of Women's Paris-Roubaix. Mesdames et messieurs, Lizzie Dynan attacked on the first cobbled sector, Mornay. 80-something kilometers to go, 82 kilometers to go. She passed us at that point. We were 1,500 meters in, and she already had 10 meters. Turn that into two and a half minutes, and Mariana Voss just entered the velodrome. Just about a minute and a half behind, I believe. Voss obviously came into this as a one of the major favorites, I would say. And she pulled back quite a lot in that last 20K or so. One of the greatest of all time. Boss is now coming around. He's got one lap to go. And Elisa Longo-Borghini is on the velodrome. Et donc Marianne Voss qui devra attendre encore quelques mois pour peut-être ajouter cette ligne à son palmarès derrière. On rappelle qu'il y avait également euh, donc Elisa Longo-Borghini et la voici. Elle fait son Lizzie Dynan is a heck of a lot cleaner than the rest of them. <laughs> Cause she literally has not been behind anybody for the last 82 kilometers. Et bien d'autres concurrentes qui sont juste derrière avec Lisa Brenauer, la championne d'Allemagne qui va tenter d'aller chercher la championne d'Italie dans les tout derniers Dans les tout derniers mètres, Marianne Voss, mesdames et messieurs, deuxième de la première édition de Paris-Roubaix Femmes. Et de l'autre côté du vélodrome, dans les tout derniers mètres, eh bien, peut-être la place de Troyes qui est en train de, de se jouer. Regardez, toujours dans le bon groupe, autre record d'Orago, la Bretonne qui est présente. Mais quel équipe qui est venue avec de l'expérience. Eh bien, regardez le résultat, la troisième place, mesdames et messieurs, deux 
concurrent pour Patrick Elisa Lamborghini, troisième de Paris-Roubaix, troisième de Paris-Roubaix, deux concurrentes pour la Trek Segafredo sur le podium de cette première édition de Paris-Roubaix. Since 2002. Lisa Brenoir est donc passée back to the studio. Welcome back to the Second Tips Podcast, everybody. What you just heard was us out on the course today. It's currently 8.08 p.m. on Saturday. Shoddy Dave, set the scene for us. We are in, well, I wouldn't say it's a French restaurant at all. Tropical's the word, isn't it? We've got Hawaiian shirts going on. We're in Compiègne. Not exactly what you expect. The day before the men's Roubaix and after, well, what has been an absolutely spectacular first edition of the women's Roubaix. Yeah, we, we wrapped up our women's uh, coverage, our reporting down or up, I guess, in Roubaix and then made our way down to Compiègne, which is where we are right now. We've got pretty good crew here for you for the podcast and we're going to hear from a number of riders who race today of course in addition to shoddy dave we've got ronan mclaughlin tech extraordinaire whoa 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 (laughs) (laughs) it's true and a special guest drum roll drum roll we have ruth winder on the podcast today mostly because she's been in our car all day we wrapped her into this she could not escape if she wanted to have dinner with us. Unfortunately for you, Ruth, I'm sorry. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Ruth, obviously teammates with the winner today, Lizzie Dynan, an incredible, incredible ride. She attacked. I'm just gonna stop here. Lizzie Dagnan. Dagnan? Dagnan. They say the G? Yes. I'm not sure I can From get down Donny with that. From Donegal, <laughs> we say the G. <laughs> Dagnan. Dignan, Lizzie Dignan. Learn something new every day. Lizzie, fantastic, amazing ride today, right? We heard from her after the finish that the attack that she made at, what was it, 82 or 83 or 84 kilometers out, basically into the very first sector of the very first women's Paris-Roubaix ever, so she led onto those cobblestones, into that sector, and she just never came back. She passed us, in fact, Shadi. We were, we were about, what, 1,500 meters, 2,000 meters in. You heard a bit of that audio earlier. She passed us with maybe, what, a 10-meter gap, something like that? As they say, if in doubt, lead it out. And she, she led it out incredibly. It was an unbelievable ride. I think, I think today was actually even more impressive than that because when we were on that first sector, Lizzie literally led onto that sector and came around that little S-band that we were sitting at, had a five, 10 meter gap, not even, yep. five, literally a five meter gap. Yeah, it was just and like, just it was a, I mean, it was a gap that we didn't really think was a gap, right? It just looked like she had just sort of, act, you know, gone off the front by five meters, 10 meters. And by the end of that sector, I think it was up to about 30 seconds. And by three sectors later, it was what, a minute and a half? Close to that. I think the, the gap topped out well over two minutes. Came back a little bit in the end. Uh, the group behind, it's not that they got organized, it's basically that Mariana Voss went for it, right? Started to chase basically on her own and was able to claw back 45 seconds or a minute or so. I think when Voss initially attacked, she like almost instantly took 30 seconds out of uh, Lizzie's advantage. 
but you know once he had made that initial attack they got off that cobbled section and then it was sort of you know, rider against rider it, it really did stabilize them once once Voss had used her fresher I say with exclamation or cut in inverted commas <laughs> fresher legs uh, and you know it was then a drag race it did seem to it did seem to stabilize quite a bit and stayed stayed relatively stable all the way to the finish it showed that Voss is very well suited to this race right I mean I do think that she will remain as long as she wants to continue being a rider uh, remain a a important competitor at Paris-Roubaix we did hear from a number of different riders after the race as to basically whether they enjoyed it or not and we'll hear from them in a little bit we heard from Tino Campbell we heard from Allison Jackson some mixed emotions I think is the best way to describe uh, well Allison in particular Tennille was just stoked. I've never seen anybody as that stoked on Paris-Roubaix in my entire life. I've stood in that velodrome, I don't know, 10 times now. Never seen anything like that before. Ruth, I want to turn to you real quick here. You didn't race Roubaix today, and I think you were kind of happy about that, right? Yes. Thank the heavens. <laughs> you could have, probably. Could you, if, you, if you had put your hand up, would they have been like, yeah, you can do it? Definitely, yeah. Ina came, Ina, my director, she came to me a couple of times and you sure you don't want to race, you sure you don't race, you don't even have to do the whole thing, just do the do the beginning and it's not even, I, I think I would be pretty good at it, like in the past I've been pretty good on cobbles, so it's not necessarily that. Um, I just knew that there were so many girls on the team that really, 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 really wanted to do the first edition of the Peru Bay and I don't know what it was. Oh, oh our mules are here. Uh, Ici. Okay. Uh, we'll set the scene a little bit more. Kaylee's bravely <laughs> ordered move Fritz. We're quite a fair way in land, That's aren't muscles we? and fries for our... That's confidence in the French cuisine there for you. <laughs> I've never had an issue with the moles. Oh, yes. Oh, look at that. Steaming. Will we be charged extra for the hair in my mozzarella? France, of course you will. I was saying that there were so many girls on the team that really wanted to do the first edition that I just was like, I don't feel like I have the same burning passion within my soul to do this first edition than I most of like my teammates. It sounded like quite the opposite. sounded like quite the opposite, Ruth. The, the, like the opposite of burning passion. Uh, <laughs> yes. I mean, couples are not my favorite. Like I've said, I'm not bad at riding them, but I don't... It does not spark joy. <laughs> no joy would have been sparked. <laughs> so give it to somebody that was very stoked. <laughs> okay, but we went, and, we went and did a pre-ride this morning. We did some recon and... Uh, you, you determined that the path to the right side of the Arenberg Forest is indeed quite smooth. Yeah, right? it's a wonderful path. And then I did ride one couple section, the first couple sections we the did, girls uh, did. We did Wallers, yes. right? So basically oh, that's, no. that's right before, you didn't, we, we did the one that was right before the first one in the women's race. Right. Yeah, which is a, a, still a nasty one, but you did, you got to experience the Roubaix cobbles versus the, the yeah, Belgian and cobbles. I was in a fantastic mood until we hit those cobbles, and then my ride got worse. And I thought, wow, just as well, I'm not racing this afternoon. <laughs> Spectating is going to be fun. We we rolled out of the hotel this morning, and Ruth was clearly feeling good. Like <laughs> legs were legs were on fire, and like attacking us out of stop signs and things like that. And then yeah, you got a little more subdued post uh, post, post cobblestones. Cobble yep, I yeah. was like, all right. Tell us a little bit about sort of how you feel like this fits into Lizzie's 
Palmaris, like how this fits into all the things. She's done some incredible things on a bicycle, right? Do you feel like this is bigger than those, on par with those? Is this like at the top now? Where, where does it seem to sit within the peloton and knowing her? I think that, I mean, she does have a very extensive Palomaris with a, a lot of amazing results, but I think for Lizzie especially, she always tries to stand up and speak for women's cycling, and I think to win the first edition of this one, it's been such a kind of iconic moment for women's cycling, and we've been watching the sport progress so much, and she's always kind of spoken up and pushed for the sport in a way that not, not everybody always does, and she just kind of speaks her truth. And I think for a rider like that to win the first edition is, is really special. So I can't speak for Lizzie and say how this stands up for her, but I think as an entire peloton, I don't think anybody will be upset with this win for her. Yeah, she said that she was exceptionally proud. That was the, the word that she used in the post-race press conference, which sounds like it checks out. Yeah, me. I yeah. bet. Now, this is obviously a question uh, us blokes can't answer, but what do you think it means for a woman who's not just one roommate but a woman who's also a mother come back from giving birth to yeah take what is the best single days race in, in women's I, I can ever say I've seen yeah I mean like Kaylee just said I think that she answered that for you I think that she's super proud and I think that the entire peloton will be proud for her as well now Ruth you were, you were sitting in the back of the car with us today and uh, we had the we had the stream running uh, up front, and I, I believe I heard something along the lines of uh, "this is terrible" or something like that. Uh, when I think it was El when Ellen Van Dyke crashed, or or this is awful to watch or something like that. Do you kind of wish it'd been dry maybe today? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard to watch anybody crash, and crashes can happen in any race, but it seems like this race particularly, everybody's just hoping to not crash, like, more than any other race than you would normally do. And I find that hard, hard as an athlete, um, hard as a spectator, because also people kind of are waiting for that sort of spectacle in the race, and you just know that you can get really, really hurt, and I find that to be a really challenging part of the sport. I, I, I want to talk tactics a little bit, too. So okay. the group behind, like, how is that... You've been in situations like that. What is that dynamic like? I mean, you've got a couple Yumbo Visma riders. You had, I think you had a couple live riders. But it was pretty small little groups of teams and essentially pretty ineffectual at chasing, clearly, right? Like uh, one rider against many for 82 kilometers. And granted, Lizzie's done stuff like that before, right? But still, relatively ineffectual. What, what do you think was happening in that group behind today? Yeah, I think having, for us, I mean, having Audrey and Elisa in that group straight behind definitely was probably neutralizing. I can't remember how many SD works had in there or how many Yumbo even had in there, to be honest. I think it was only honest. about two or three. Yeah. yeah, so even if they're trying really hard, and the other thing with this race in particular, there's no, like, there's always constantly something else being thrown at you. So half that bunch kind of crashed out on one cobbled section, and that threw a whole wrench into the thing, and then there's no... Like with the cobbles being so hard, you're all going just as hard as each other on the cobbles. Like it's hard to close the gap when the gap is already made on a section when Lizzie's probably going just as hard as everybody else is going on that cobbled section and then somewhat recovering, but then everybody's trying to recover on the bits that aren't cobbled in between just because there's so much cobble. So you can't ever close a gap because the parts where everybody's going hard, Lizzie's strong enough to continue to go just as hard as you can chase. Basically, yeah, there's never anywhere to put a, a chase together. 
let's actually hear a little bit from some of the riders who were in the bike race today. Uh, we spoke with, let's start with Allison Jackson, recently crowned Canadian road, road champion. Kit is great, by the way. Fantastic kit. Superb kit. Uh, caught up with her. We actually, Ronan, you watched her crash. Ronan's eating. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, she tried to, a motorbike stopped right beside me. She tried to dodge it. The car then stopped on the other side of the road. And she just, yeah, went into the back of it. And it was, it was absolute carnage exactly where we were stopped there. Like the... You couldn't actually see the cobbles in that stretch of road. It yeah. was just thick with mud. Um, before the riders got there, we seen a motorbike crash. Uh, as soon as the front group got there, we seen multiple riders in the front group crash. And then we seen actually a car get stuck, bogged down. Fully stuck. And yeah, it was it was the only, like, I've watched countless Paris-Roubaix. I've, I've re watched the wet one from 2002. But being on the ground on that sector and seeing how chaotic it was, I was kind of like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it feels a bit like just a spectacle at that point and less of a sport, right? I mean, there were literally, there were riders picking their way past us and they, they couldn't go any faster because there was cars in the way. We're like, you not, can't, you can't not touch even that. Brakes, I was actually, I, I was actually afraid standing there and that there was riders who clearly couldn't use their brakes because if they use their brakes, they're going, they're going straight down. But at the same time, there was, a motorbike on the ground, there was riders on the ground, there was cars stopped all around them and at that point they were, they were just screaming, you know, get out of my way basically because, yep. and, and obviously the person who, or the car or the object on their way couldn't move and it was just crash after crash and it really brought it from home for me, like the whole hell on earth thing, you know, uh, yes it is really the hell on earth, there were, like that was out of control at times in, in that one section. That was, I should say it was Mons and Befell, which is known to be one of the toughest sectors. Yeah, of the it's race. one of the five-star sectors. It's always really nasty. Normally, it's really nasty because the cobbles are, are tough. They're a, a different type of rock. I don't know if you saw that. They're a different color, and they're slicker than the rest. And they also, it goes up a hill and then down a hill halfway through. And so it's already a really tough sector, and then you add in a bunch of mud. It was just, it was really nasty. So anyway, watch, watch Allison Jackson, unfortunately, crash. But as you're about to hear, she's totally fine. Let's hear from Allison. Unlike my jeans. <laughs> no, the, the thing about mud is it makes it super slick, but uh, also soft landing. It was quite the mud bath, yeah. I mean, uh, part of um, being able to win this race is to have as little bad luck as possible. So, yeah, that <laughs> luck wasn't quite on my side today, but, yeah, what an experience. You're, you're sitting at the finish of the first ever Women's Bay Bay. Like, how does that feel? What, what's going through your head right now? You're, you're smiling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can recon that as much as you want, but when you race it, oh, man, and these conditions and when there's cars and motos on that course. But coming into the <coughs> the velodrome, um, yeah, it's, it's like the dream that you always see happening for the men, and then you get to do it, and it's a... Uh, yeah, an accomplishment just to finish this race, and um, yeah, really excited to be a part of history. Talk me through your race today. Did it go as planned? Doesn't look like it, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had two crashes, actually. Um, 
and yeah the one was maybe on the, the fifth sector um, to start so that put me on the back foot a little bit but uh, yeah I mean in Perrier Bay you just keep going and I kept catching groups catching groups there'd be other crashes in front you jump ahead a little more so you always just have to believe that uh, yeah something that can happen um, made it back up to my teammate Lata and just tried to roll the group a little bit closer uh, to see if she could jump from there um, and then yeah I uh, didn't want to on this wet track I didn't want to uh, be a part of our bunch sprint there's about six of us so I attacked just uh, yeah one and a half K to go uh, two girls caught me just before the line but yeah you have to uh, risk it <laughs> uh, sometimes so yeah I, it's yeah happy with the day I mean when I came into it you know you want to win but you really have to let the race play out how it's gonna play out so yeah I'm, I'm happy uh, yeah and this race more than most has uh, more that's out of your control right uh, yeah absolutely and I think also because it's the first edition we don't know yeah who's really good on the cobbles how um, yeah even the the team drivers you know it's also new for them how are they gonna manage some of the bad luck stuff where did we put our our feeds on the course were they in the right places with wheels or whatever so yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, the, the top riders really had to have a, a good luck sort of race. And, uh, yeah, you see a lot of favorites, um, yeah, not where we thought they would be just because of yeah, bad luck on the course. Will you be looking forward to this one next year? <laughs> you might have Too to early? ask me that, yeah. When I'm riding on the last, um, the, the car four section, and I was thinking, oh, my gosh, like this is why we call it hell of the north or uh yeah so <laughs> it's a very special race and and it's so hard and that's what makes coming here and trying to go for the win really cool but it's a rough race how are your hands i got two blisters yeah and we we are going right from here to the the women's tour so uh yeah that's just <laughs> we'll have to manage that for the next week congrats thank you <laughs> Bit of hedging there, honestly, from Allison Jackson. Uh, I think she enjoyed herself in the bicycle race today, but I'm not. I'm not sure it was her favorite thing ever. Basically, I tell you what, though, in that pit area after the race, you could see there was a lot of people that were enjoying themselves afterwards. Maybe not in in it, but the amount of smiles, the amount of high fives, the amount of cuddles. It was just people were. Flipping loving it. Looks like the end of a gravel race. Just uh, type two fun out there. This is what this is what the UCI are aiming at for the rest of the <laughs> season for ne next season, aren't uh, they? The, a UCI gravel series came up in a couple random conversations I had with team people this morning, and we won't broach that subject at the moment. We don't need that. Anyway, Ruth, I had I had a couple more tactical questions for you, so. So while we were having dinner here, uh, you provided some reasons why the chase behind might not have been so effective, particularly in the sort of early stages of that move, right? Because what, what kind of stunned me was how quickly the gap went out, right? Like it felt like if, if the riders behind were fully on the gas, fully racing, it wouldn't have gone from, you know, 10 meters to 90 seconds in two or three sectors, right? So what was going on that, that prevented that or that caused that 
Yeah, I mean, we were stood on the early cobbled sector and you could see that there were so many key riders still super far back on the, yeah, just pretty early on. So no team is going to commit to a chase because there was no team completely together and a lot of them had their leaders pretty far back. So they're waiting for the yeah, lead riders to kind of bridge back up or no one wants to really push anymore because they're trying to give the people behind an opportunity to, to catch back up. For me, I noticed Audrey, Elisa and uh, Ellen were all, I mean, in group like three or four at that point when they passed us and Lizzie had that very small gap off the front, but that gap grows really fast when people are just trying to determine where everybody is and obviously on chaotic cobbles like that, it takes a bit of time. So then the gap goes from, yeah, five seconds to two minutes fairly quickly when Lizzie's, yeah, going full gas. Do you feel like the tactics of this race are going to change over the next couple of years as the peloton gets used to it, basically? I mean, because it is fundamentally, it's a really different thing from anything else on the women's calendar. Flanders is not really comparable, right? Like, it's not really the same where you're talking about cobble sectors every couple kilometers for the last 80 kilometers of a race. Like, do you feel like that the peloton itself and the directors and everybody else are going to kind of get used to it? Is it going to change or is... is this year gonna, you know, potentially be a, a template by which other racers and, and teams try to win going forward. I mean, are we gonna see attacks in Hornang every year? Is basically, I guess, basically my question. Well, I mean, we've seen Lizzie do a long solo attack in Liege Baston Liege before, so it's not necessarily a tactic that's never been used. I think that this edition of the race it will always be special because there's so much more nervousness because it is everybody's so hyped up for it being the first time that it's been raced and everybody uh, felt a lot of pressure and a lot of built up I mean they've been talking about it for a few years now and now it's finally happened so I think that that kind of like buzz about it might simmer down a bit but it's impossible to say I think that tactics in women's racing a lot have changed I think it's kind of a it's almost like a checkmate situation where when, when one rider from a team is out front solo like that and is backed up by a number of teammates behind and you have a reduced bounce like we had coming out of Hornang, the first section of Cobbles, it's, you know, it's, it's a catch-22 where those chasing teams have to wait for their teammates to come back and even then, if they ride full gas, they're just like bringing the teammates of the rider in front back into the race with fresher legs. So it, it's really a catch-22 where you know, if, if you can if you can be out front like that, and I, like whenever I seen Lizzie attack on the first section, I thought, oh, she's playing the team role today. She's going to go out in front. We'll have to be chased, and that will help set up Ellen Van Dyke. Was was what I initially thought, and and you know that that tactic could have easily worked out the same. So I don't know if that'll really change in years to come. It seems like that tactic could work, you know, regardless of the rider, the race, the year, how many times it's happened previously. That that's a you know that that's a, a well played tactic at this point and could happen many times again and it, it's kind of like the first rider to get out there put themselves in the wind if they've got the legs to pull it off at that stage and they've got the team behind to defend it, it's one of the best tactics you can play. Ruth, you may know how much of the team trained on the cobbles. How much have they been out checking it out prior to this race? Did they go earlier in the season? Did they go last year? Because there's yeah. going to be teams that, I'm guessing, have done a lot of recon of this, and then teams have pretty much just rocked up this week and didn't know what to expect, seen it on TV, but I've never rolled anything like this. So that's surely going to play into 
the hands of teams that have got good infrastructure such as Trek. Yeah, I know the girls have been out there at least three times before the race. Yeah, for us. I think most of the teams that we spoke to had been... Most of the big teams, I should say. There's you know, there quite a few teams in this race that were not women's world tour teams that are you know are reliant on invites that probably don't have the resources to, sh to come up here for a week at a time and do recons and things like that. But most of the big teams certainly had ridden it a bunch of times. I mean, you know, well, we'll use this as a segue. T. Neil Campbell told us this morning that she had she's ridden the entire course prior. Uh, and then we talked to her again after the race. I the reason I wanted to include this particular interview is because I don't think I've ever heard this level of Roubaix stoke. I don't think I, not once have I ever heard this level of Roubaix stoke. This is from the velodrome. Uh, in fact, you're going to hear a very loud announcer right behind the microphone, and I apologize for that. But this is from the velodrome, and she had just finished. I actually don't have the place in front of me, but it was like, you know, three or four groups back. She had a pretty rough day. Her handlebars were dropped down, like her bars had dropped at some point on the cobblestones. She'd switch bikes at some point, but she'd never fallen down, and she was just incredibly stoked on, just really happy about the whole experience and and excited for next year already. So let's hear from Tanil. How are the hands? Survived, survived a lot. Even after my handle dropped and I was like, oh, where do I hold it? But yeah, survive. Well, yeah, that that uh, that's not ideal down there, huh? No, it's definitely not. I mean, I had to even change to my spare bike because I had a really big mechanical in a really bad moment, and because I don't know if the cars in front of us didn't want to pull aside or they didn't know what to do, so we couldn't come back. And the peloton was right there, but because we were stalling behind the the, the cars and losing speed and everything, by the time we got off the cobbles, everyone was gone again. So. That was really disappointing. It's a race where there's more that's out of your control, right? Yeah, but I love it. <laughs> I had so much fun. I was like crossing my heart and hoping not to die many times, but it was uh, so bloody amazing. <laughs> so you can't wait for next year already? Yeah. <laughs> Talk me through your race today. Uh, yeah, on the circuit, I was really, um, I wasn't in good position. I was trying a lot, but every time I tried to move up, there was a crash. I move up again, there was another crash, and that was leaning into the first cobble sector, and you're behind, you're chasing, and then the cars came in front of you, you can't come back, and you want to pass, but it's like, shit, you don't know if the car is going to swing on you, so it's like, taking that risk too, and then, yeah, coming off the cobbles, it was just like, fighting to try and come back, but by the time I changed the bike, everything was just gone again, and yeah, I just came in with a group, we passed multiple riders still on the ground, and crashing and everything and well, everyone was pretty muddy too some of them who crashed and yeah it was just made it to the finish without falling off my bike so that's a plus for me but yeah can't wait for next year and I hope it really is like this again because it was more fun like this than dry so yeah well Ruth as as your Dutch teammates would say uh, she was intergestic extremely intergestic <laughs> We were talking in the car this morning about some uh, quite hilarious sort of du Dutch, Dunglish. Dunglish, Dutch Englishisms, where you know, like their, their English is effectively perfect, right? To the point where they're actually inventing their own words, their own English words, and intergestic was which 
basically means what, like, like enthusiastic, like happy. I think enthusiastic. Okay. And well, what energetic. Was the, what was the other one we were talking about? Hectical. Hectical. What does hectical mean? I think just hectic, but in a crazy way. And I'm not making fun of you guys. You know I love you, and I can't pronounce any of your names. So. <laughs> no, of course, not making fun of them, because I, I genuinely love the fact that they are essentially so fluent in English as a second language that they are inventing new words that, like, kind of work, right? Like I say them now sometimes. Like, hectical <laughs> is a fantastic term. I love hectical. I, I'm going to use hectical as a race. In fact, here's my promise. The word hectical will find its way into a race report at some point in the, in the 2022 season. I, I, I make that a promise right now. I'm going to ignore uh, the spell check in our back end, in the CMS of the site, and I will write Hectical into a, into a race report next year. Are we missing anything from today? I mean, Ruth, I found it kind of emotional, actually at the finish there like did you you guys you tried to get into the infield and you didn't have credentials so they turned you away but you were out sort of on the edge of the velodrome right like did you find it what did you feel basically it, it, it like when Lizzie came across because one she's a teammate but two like it was a it's kind of a historic moment it's 125 years with no women's prayer bay 125 years that's the first men's one was 1896. And this is supposed to happen, what, three years ago now? Was it, was it an emotional moment for you? Uh, yeah, it was super emotional moment for me. I mean, just to see Lizzie ride like a hero. Um, I was really happy to see Ellen finishing because last I'd seen her, she'd just been having a big crash. So I had kind of like this happiness for Lisa and uh, Lizzie to be on the podium. And then obviously wanting everyone to be there safe. Uh, it spurred on a little bit of a panic attack for myself, but that's a personal problem that we'll have to talk about at another time. But there was definitely a lot of emotion, to say the least. I think that that was, yeah, that was the, the general sense that I got, that it was a, it's a momentous occasion, right? There's not a whole lot that happens in cycling anymore that is the first, right? And to have something this big be the first. This is the first one. It's, it's why we're making a podcast today. We were originally just going to make one tomorrow about both races, but we got to the end of the day today and it just felt so momentous that it felt like there was no other option but to talk about it because it was it was huge. It was and massive I, today. I think it's the same for a lot of people. You look on social media today and it was just a wash with today's race. Normally, the day before Paris-Roubaix, it's just hype central for the for the blokes race it's just like teams all the men's teams putting stuff out videos social media stuff interviews and the riders themselves doing it and I'm not that's taken a massive backseat whether the teams aren't putting the stuff out or whether it's men's just, teams didn't put they, they put nothing out today and it's like, been even awesome. the ones without women's teams put almost nothing out today it's just been awesome to see that like, everybody really get into this in a massive way I, I have to admit that like some of the photos that came out yesterday, particularly of Mariana Voss in the showers, right? They kind of did like a bit of a photo shoot. Those were super powerful images for me. I think I put this on I put this on my Instagram. There's a shot there that the Grubers took. I think it was Ashley that took it. That like I very much plan on buying from them and putting on my daughter's wall, right? Like that was a cool, it was a super super cool moment, and that's only going to happen 
that's this year, right? Like this is the first one, this is the big one. So yeah, I've, I've absolutely loved the last 24 hours, 48 hours. The hype around this thing has been absolutely massive. I'm intrigued and, and can't wait to see the photos come in from our photographers for today. We're, we're gonna put up a gallery. Uh, Ian Trellor and I are gonna, are gonna tag team a gallery that should be up in the next couple hours. In fact, about the time that this podcast goes up probably. If anybody's ever read Ian Trellor captions, you know that you're in for a treat. Uh, we've got photos coming in. It was an incredible day. And we got another one tomorrow. <laughs> That's the best I'll, part. We've never gotten two Roubaix in a row before. This is amazing. I'll go halfers with you on that photo. And I'll, I'll also put up my daughter's bedroom wall because the last couple of days have, have I would say, been one of the first times where I felt like I want my daughter to be a professional cyclist. And I was, you know, watching the race and seeing the first Paris Bay for women. And yeah, like it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to put it in the words, but I just watched the last couple of days and thought, yeah, the, the, this sport is finally ready to try and, yeah, I don't know. Someone, someone can put that into better words than I can. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah, can we get a book by on that, that poster? <laughs> It's like all it daughters here. Well, there's, yeah. there's literally four, four of the six people at this table have little girls. Uh, all dads, right? Zach, you're next. Uh, <laughs> That's a warning. <laughs> all dads, all dads of little girls, and I think that you know, I can't. I don't. I can't even begin to 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 imagine what it would have felt like as a a woman in professional cycling who's been fighting for this for a very long time. But even just as somebody who is the potential dad of somebody who could be in this position of 20 years from now. It was a pretty powerful experience. If I'm honest, right, you, people say to get behind women's cycling. Let's be honest, like, 90% of the time, not 90%, I'm not going to put numbers on it, but a lot of the time people say to get behind women's cycling. And it's a token gesture. They might watch the last 20K of a race, whatever. There's a small percentage of people that really do get behind it. Today, it felt like people really got behind the race. It felt like they, yeah, it, it was a race that definitely gave goosebumps, the same amount of goosebumps as any other big race throughout the year. And it's, yeah, it does feel like people have got 110% behind this race. There, there's more people on Abby's uh, kind of analysis, like tactical analysis story about Lizzie on the site right now than Ronan's tech piece. And if you know cycling website analytics, that's saying something. <laughs> there, there is no question that this is this is the biggest this is the biggest sort of response to a race that I've seen in a very long time. Admittedly, and though, Ronan's article is in Irish, isn't it? <laughs> nobody can ever understand him, not ever. All right. I mean. I don't know what you just said, Shadi. It, it did. It did kind of remind me. Like there were some. There were some holes still, right? Like there's things to improve upon. Ruth, you mentioned this this morning that like the start was pretty underwhelming, right? There was no. There was no start arch. There was no arch. There was just like I don't know a line in chalk on the ground or something like that. There's some bits of this particular production that could still use improvement. The fact that nobody saw. The 20 kilometers in which the in, the race was won or lost, that's not great, right? Granted, the only footage of Lizzie's attack is on the Cycling Tips Instagram. 
because we happened to be standing there. Yeah, we literally happened to be standing there, and we we grabbed it and we sent it to our social media social media editor Mike. He chucked it up on the internet. That's the only, that's the only footage, right? Like, that's not great. And, and frankly, like to not have TV that goes off from the from the first cobblestone to the end is 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 unfortunate. But hopefully, ASO sees the response to this race. Hopefully, they understand the importance and they they put in they put in the time and they put in the work. The waiter man has come to take our food. And that is a sign that it is time for us to wrap up today. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. You don't thank me. My pleasure. And with that it's time for us to wrap up. It's time for us to get to our hotel. It's 9.30 at night. We still have to edit this podcast get it out the door. We will be back tomorrow from the men's Paris-Roubaix. One of 120-something, honestly. Just one of another. But should be a good bike race. And should we'll, be one with any waterproof jackets, that's for sure. It is dumping rain outside <laughs> and is so windy. It's going to be chaos tomorrow. Fine day to be a duck. Fine day to be a duck. If you see a headline on the website tomorrow that is fine day to be a duck, it's because I lost a bet to Ronan. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye.